all the gifts are gone, but we still have Jesus here. He is all we need. I'm Michael LaFaver. I'm Ryan Matlock. I'm Austin Peachy. And I'm being held hostage. We're four flammable fans of Beyond Gilead. Ah! I'm on fire! And today we're reviewing S-11 Christmas Heirlooms by John Fornoff. So join us for episode 103 (gasps) on our return to Gilead. Hey, Austin's back and Jack is back. Hi, guys. Oh. Where's the sugar cookies? I was promised sugar cookies. Oh, hi. No, you weren't. You were promised gingerbread cookies. Get it right. I put out the fire, uh, guys. Wait, he's oh. getting cookies and Pepsi. Uh, yeah, you're you're um you need to work off some debts that you you owe. So sir, you know, sir, sir. All, all those sir! times that I get a click in the clack in the back of my recording, this is your penance for that. Having oh, to listen word. to actually good oh, episodes of Gilead. <laughs> Hi guys, how are y'all listen, doing? <laughs> listen, good. I'm ready to talk about Christmas and a yeah. Christmas special. Yay! I'm ready to talk Woo-hoo. about fire. Summary for this episode, right off the top. The hustle and bustle of the Morrison's Christmas festivities is interrupted by a sudden tragedy. And that tragedy is their living room being burned. So, you know, that's um, that's kind of rough. It gets dark. That's rough, it, buddy. It is really dark. What do you guys think of this episode? I'm not a huge fan. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. Like, not in a, not in a, I have deep philosophical issues kind of way. As it's it's sort of like there's parts of it that I like, parts of it that I don't, and it all like parts of it just kind of end up meh for me, but it has a good ending. Okay. I felt like a lot of the writing was kind of cheesy and like it's very unsubtle about what they're trying to teach you, but I'm not sure if that's par for the course, but it's not. It no. gets its message across at the very least. Um I agree. The, with the that. one one specific line that like I was talking with my family about actually made me burst out laughing, but we'll talk about <laughs> that later. Uh, you can bring it <laughs> no, up now; it'd probably be relevant. Sure. What, which one okay. is it? Okay, so when they get back and everybody's lamenting that everything's gone, and oh gosh, I can't remember which son it was, but one of them's talking about the the nativity, the nativity like, set. Timmy, the, 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 <laughs> the wise men are burned. The camels are all melted. It's all melted. And all burned. we have left is Jesus, and I'm like, <laughs> gee. Gee, I wonder what the episode's trying to get across. <laughs> and then the end, Zach's like, wow, what a coincidence that only Jesus was left at the nativity. And Did I'm Zach like, say that? Sir, sir, <laughs> sir, you wrote the episode. You knew this would happen. Zach didn't. Well, the people same, same who difference. wrote his script for that also wrote the episode. You know what I mean. Yeah, it's the, the same the vibe that you dictated that. I'll, yeah. I'll talk about that. that I'll, I'll talk about that. So I remember you talking about how much you like this episode when we reviewed, I think, A Little Retailed Coleraine. My opinion and has changed. This is, <laughs> well, this episode, well, I was kind of lukewarm about this episode, but after listening to it again, I like it a lot better than I ever have, I think, in the past. I hmm. don't think it's better than A Little Town of Coleraine. I think it's probably about the same level, but there is a lot of good things about this. I have literally no opinion on this episode, and I'll explain why at the end. Maybe that, maybe I do actually have an opinion, but it's it's too nuanced. There, there's too much of a, a meta thing going on for me to bring up an opinion here. So I will simply say this was at the top of my list, and now that it's not, I'm going through an existential crisis to figure out whether it's From Mary With Love or this episode that I actually like more. So I, I, I can't figure that out because I like the acting mm. in this episode but I don't like the acting in For Mary With Love but I love Beth Culp and her writing in that episode but I don't know how to feel about this writing 
All I'm so, saying okay. is this is the single best episode of Gilead I've listened to. <laughs> <laughs> need to get you on more Gilead, sir. Hey, hey, I listened to season one, episode one. Don't, don't, don't oh, get on my find a classic episode. Yeah, well, he has mm. listened to the classic episodes. Speaking of which, maybe this would be a good time to bring that up. What do you think in general of, of the episodes you heard from season one, Jack? So I've only heard like the first episode and a half. Oh, oh, never mind then. We'll we'll, we'll get back to that. When yeah, I, I, that. I'm sorry. I didn't That's get okay. very far into it. That's all right. Episode five and six are really Finals good. Finals hit me like a truck. Same. That's why we didn't have a week of Gilead last week. Honestly, fair. <laughs> anyway, one thing I love about John Fornoff's scripts, I've said this over and over again, he's got super small casts. We have the Morrison family, entire family, and then Grace and Tom. And that's it. And, and all the conflict. I was going to no, say, does Maya have any this speaking episode. roles? She's nope. just mentioned. She's there and says nothing. Completely sure? unrealistic for a child. I thought I heard What's... her, like, just <laughs> briefly or something. You're the one who told us we're going to be all right. That God's got us. I really appreciate you, Dad. Oh, Brooke, that's so beautiful. <sighs> love you. Hey, I love you too, Brooke. Mm-hmm. Mary? Yes? I appreciate a special gift God has given you. Oh. Who is it? Haley, could you please open the door? Sure. Hello, everyone. Tom and, and Maya. Oh, I hate everything. She has one line in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, it's, pro- it's probably a, a, an old line from an old episode. Yeah. Well, anyway, back to my mm. point that I was trying to make about John Fornoff's small casts. Something that I found that was really interesting about the way that the structure of these episodes is presented. This is indicative of how John Fornoff, not Laurie Twitchell's writing, but how John Fornoff writes for Beyond Gilead. The characters who are the most prominent are John and Mary. And in the past, with Beth Culp's writing, when, we have, when we've had ensemble casts and the Morrisons all together, it's been the kids who have been the main characters. In the episode that Jack is halfway through listening to, Michael is the main character of that one. In the next episode, it's Timmy. In the episode after that, it's Justin. The episode after that, it's Haley, and things like that. And then the the parents don't get a lot of development until the season finale, which is just a little bit. But here, John is the main character and has the lesson to learn. We don't get a lot of insights on the other characters learning anything other than them running around and everything getting burned and Oh yeah. Any okay, we're 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 here now at Grace's house. I didn't pick up on that about John being the main character, but now that you say that, I think that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. not, not anywhere there. else. You talking about people running around life like uh, heads with their chickens cut heads off. Heads with their chickens cut off. Made me think <laughs> um like they were talking about, oh, we had so much hustle and bustle in this year and it's like fundraisers, gift wrapping, it's like none of this stuff feels like like, especially the stuff that's for, like, the, the fundraisers and stuff feels like that's more in the spirit of Christmas than... It is. It's just uh, a lot of yeah. stuff. It's just everyone's busy. All at the same around. time. But I don't think... Like, some anyway, of those things throughout anyway. the year would be... No, like, you had a point. Throughout the year, you had little things here and there, but at Christmas, certain events kind of all come up at once, so it feels a little bit oh, overwhelming yeah. sometimes. Which yeah, I kind of yeah. think this is the Gilead version of Peace on Earth from Odyssey, where it's kind of the same message... Um, you know, all the hustle Except and bustle. Except not the huge turnaround at the end. Well, yeah. I mean, there is a dark moment on that episode, like, where, you know, the Barclays come down, all their gifts are gone. And, like, this, you know, it's a little bit more, well, a lot more serious with that. I don't want to compare it to Odyssey that much. I think both are great episodes. Yeah. With that episode, there's basically two different storylines happening that kind of swap places and then merge at the end. In this one, it's, you know, very linear 
they do the message well in both of them, I think. I think this one focuses more on the meaning for the season. Well, the last one, I think, was more about... I think it was more focused on, like, the hustle and bustle, even though it wasn't presented as much, I think, in this one. Mm -hmm. Another thing I just picked up on, we talked about this a little bit in the first couple parts of the Mr. Key series, but what's going on here with Tom is that he's got a childlike faith now that he just became a Christian this year, is what he says. Like Connie. Yeah, I guess that's similar. But he's the one who offers the advice and is sort of the, the spiritual reminder for everyone in this episode. Mm-hmm. And there's that scene when he's talking to John the first time and he mentions a quiet joy. And John's like, ooh, that's nice. And I'm like, yeah, I, I like that too. And then John says, oh, I, I really like that part about the quiet joy, but I just got to run. And then and he acknowledges really... how ironic that Which sounds. Which I realize is <laughs> weird. Lampshading. Yes, but in, in context of what's going on with the controversy yeah. in the episode, it's good lampshading, Jack. It started out like the, the first part was like, oh, you need to not be so busy. But then with like the decorations and the lights and everybody being worried about the stuff, it felt like it was more so about the commercialization of Christmas. Like that gets actively called out in episode. So I wasn't really sure if they were saying it's better to be not going 40 different ways during Christmas, or if they were trying to say it's better to not turn Christmas into an event and more make it appreciation of what has been done for us. I wasn't, it felt like it, shifted gears for a bit there i don't know i think this would be a good place to invoke ryan okay what would you like to invoke well what are your negative thoughts on this episode okay so i think it as far as the lesson i think the lesson is fine as far as like by the end they've sort of gathered an appreciation for the real point of christmas and they sort of start appreciating the the more personal things in their lives, the blessings God has given them rather than the material things that they have. So I appreciate that lesson. As far as where I feel the episode is kind of meh for me is that the reason that the family even has to deal with this is because of something that becomes established in this episode that we haven't quite, at least I don't feel we've seen up to this point characterized by this family. So mm-hmm. we start out with all the kids kind of like they're, they're already all like yelling at each other. I'm busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And then the dad comes in and he's like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to fix this with a calendar. And this feels like something that, you know, like we've established in previous reviews that the thing we appreciate about the Morrisons is that they don't generally let problems pile up. Like when they realize, oh, there's a problem here they deal with it pretty quickly. And so we've already got a problem that seems a little bit out of alignment, in my opinion, with the way the family has done things in the past, the way the family has operated in the past. And I ask myself the question, okay, why does it feel a little bit out of alignment? John Fornoff. <laughs> John Fornoff. <laughs> New writer. <laughs> and yeah. I've talked about this in previous episodes of the, of the podcast, where things might feel off because the characters are servicing the plot, rather than the plot being a natural outflow of the way characters are written to naturally act. I remember talking about this last time I was on here. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And so that, and that's how I, that's most of my problems with this. Like the mom has been sentimental in the past, but she goes all out in this episode. She wants to pull out every it's, decoration it's ever. <laughs> and it's like, why does she want to pull out every decoration ever? Because that'll make it hurt a lot more when the living room gets burnt up. Mm. Oh, well, rats. I have, 
I have Go a little it, bit Austin. of a pushback on this. Please One, about her being sentimental because this is a last Christmas with Brooke. They talk about that. It's the last oh, no, time no, with the no, no, weird no, green no, finger no. paint stuff. Ew, no, but please, I think no. she's eighteen. Well, cons- no, <laughs> consider consider also that like even after a kid goes to college, they still could come home for Christmas. Like that's... she's putting her footprint on Christmas cards. She's an adult. She's been to Peru. She's been to Peru. Yeah. Yeah, she went to Peru last season. Huh. Neat. <laughs> anyway, sorry, my, Austin, my point Austin being can... is that there is <laughs> very few circumstances under which an 18-year-old having Christmas would be the last Christmas they ever have with their family. I just, yeah. It's it, more of this, I guess, symbolism or the, again, the sentimentality with that. Yeah, but yeah. continue, Austin, your point. So, so yeah, the, the green finger paint thing was my only real issue with this episode. But I wrote this down. Is it natural to have this happen at this time in their lives? And hearing you guys talking about it, I think it actually works that they are busier more than in the past because a lot of the kids have grown up. We hear mentioned about Brooke being 18, her last Christmas, you know, with, you know, her inside the home not moved out yet. We also have them talking about, you know, Timmy is now called Tim. And when kids get older and, you know, they become teenagers, they're going to be doing more stuff on their own than just with the family. So that overlaps a lot more with other people's stuff. We hear about Brooke going Christmas caroling with Luke and Becca and all these things. I think this point in their lives, I think I answered my own question with it. Yes, I think it is natural because the kids are having more activities outside of just their family. And they're kind of spreading out and it's becoming busier and harder to keep things all straight. But wouldn't that have kind of come up before the week before Christmas? Like, if this is a family that typically deals with thing problems as they arise, you would think, because Brooke didn't turn 18 last week. She's presumably been, been 18 dis- for a while. Yeah, and even back during the journey, they were going to look at colleges. So it feels like this is something that would have come up a while before Christmas episode. The other thing is that the whole scheduling conflict seems to, like, pop up and then is resolved in, like, the first five minutes, because it's like, I got the calendar, the whiteboard went in the sink, now we have the computer program, and the problem is fixed, and there was no point in bringing this up anyway. PDA, I see why you'd have a problem with that. I. It's, three, it's kind of a three... <laughs> Sir? <laughs> Sir? That was, that was a, a low blow, but okay. I think it's kind of like a one, two, three punch. He tries to fix it, he tries to fix it another way, and then something drastic happens, and then all that doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Yeah, so but that that was pretty funny hearing Haley say "ah" and not an "ah" from downstairs. <laughs> what? Thank you, Michael. He doesn't get it. I'll tell you when you're older. But then, yeah, Michael. By the end of the episode, they're not even mentioning all the things that they wanted to do. It the focus has shifted so many times, and that's what I'm thinking. Exactly. Maybe uh, the maybe focus a, is now a closer on the family. Wrong organization. Wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a closer focus for, for each of the characters that dealt more with who they are as characters would have worked, which is one thing that works well about the best Christmas on record in which we didn't see a lot of the kids' personalities, but we did see John's and Mary's. And because it was written by Beth Culp, it was very much as informed by their characters as they actually are. Whereas this one is by a new writer on the series. I don't know when this episode was written. It obviously takes place after Tom's conversion, but I I wonder when this was originally pitched by John Fornoff. Yeah, I like that we do get a reference to the best Christmas on record because when they're going through the attic, they talk about the record player there, which is kind of nice. But is it burned up after the fire? Presumably, yes. They don't lament it. If the attic was above the living room, I guess. Well, 
No, because they talked about we are bringing every Christmas thing down. But is it a decoration? And they were very, she was very specific about wanting to continue traditions this year. And if that was a tradition, then logically that means the record player was in the living room. They don't lament it because they're too busy worried about the popsicle stick angel and the popcorn wreath. It's, but it's as it's as much a decoration as it is a memento and something that they can use to play music. Yeah, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, another mm. thing about the the living room and the damage to the living room is there was a retcon that Steve O'Dell tried to do on the Funcast, and I don't know if this works or not. Apparently, the fire. And the the sky that they can see out of the living room isn't mm-hmm. the ceiling, but rather the top of the wall. That's not how a skylight works. And Michael making that joke doesn't make as much sense if it's the top of the wall. It doesn't necessarily mean to have the second floor above it. Some some houses don't ha- only have a second floor at part of the house. Yeah, but he says on the podcast, it's not the ceiling; it's the top of the wall. No, what like when they what they were saying that. It, good thing it only got the living room. I was like, okay, is this a one-story house? Because otherwise, how did it only hit one room and then also get through the ceiling so that they have light? It's been established in the past that it's two stories. Okay, that makes less sense. I feel like it makes more sense that it's a two-story house, but the second story doesn't cover the entire square footage of the house. Okay, okay. And that it's like a big uh, open space above their living room, like with the, the slanted roof as the, the ceiling. Okay. But that makes Steve O'Dell's comment about, yeah, it only got the top of the wall. That just makes that make less sense. But then sense. Th- they also talked about, man, the flames are so high. And I'm like, how did this only get one room? Coincidentally, the one room that would have the most emotional impact. Well, the reason it, it had the most the, emotional impact was, was the because part of the emotional Haley impact. Had. The robe smothered the fire. Yeah, who tried to the beautiful Adley. robe with all the ro- roses on it that was the last one. John said it wasn't Mary's fault, but it was 100% Mary's fault. Also, the well, most unreal John part didn't of the episode it. being that Christmas lights from when she was a kid still worked. No, they didn't work. <laughs> Not for no, long. They didn't work, They Jack. did. They worked too well, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. We brought trees down this year. Some of the lights that were working last year are already dead. I'm like, how are these lights still running however many years later? <laughs> The scene where the, we hear the fire and that happening, it's a very chaotic scene, but I think it was done very well. The acting, the sound oh, yeah. design, it could be really easy to have that really sound muddled and not know what's happening, but everything's balanced out. The voices, the sound effects, the little bit of music that we get with it, and kind of the ad-libbing, the different voices back and forth, it's perfect. No, John, it's just the Northern Lights. When they're... Oh. Yeah, that actually felt like there might actually be a fire, and not just the Northern Lights, Aurora Borealis, at this time of year, <laughs> of at year. this time of day, <laughs> localized entirely within your living room. Yes. Can I see it? No, because we and have I, to get out of the house. <laughs> and I agree. The just especially uh, John and the way that he yells. Oh, he's so good. It, it feels like he's in that paternal response that make sure that everyone gets out of the house because he has a sense of urgency. That's one part that makes this episode work for me. Yeah. Yeah. Even though all throughout, I'm kind of like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking like, okay, all of this feels very contrived. Like it feels like the, the family is uncharacteristically busy this year at Christmas because we've got to have the turnaround later when they lose everything. But here they're, their reaction to everything 
makes a lot of sense and it it feels very real despite it feeling contrived that they got here and that's due to roger Mueller being a great actor yes Mm. i know we talked about this a little bit at the beginning of you know with all the family coming back together to see what has been burned and all that i know some people may have problems with it and may sound a little bit cheesy yeah but events like that have happened because i remember yes reading about like some place being burned down all that's left was a bible or something to that effect Things like that do yeah, happen. Huh. Yeah, it may sound like yeah. it's cheesy, but that stuff does happen. So just because it sounds cheesy doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it's not realistic. Yeah, yeah. And it, it made their point. Um, also, mm-hmm. just a last thought. I think it was John was talking about, like, this has been a rough Christmas for our family to Tom. For whatever reason, my mind immediately went back to the the phone call. Michael and Ryan, you remember this, the, the phone call from the journey, the so you and your perfect family can go. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, like that's in character. Yeah. yeah. No, it just reminded me of that. And just the, the juxtaposition of they're the ones with the family that is actually has it together because the thing that that's referencing doesn't happen in this timeline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. And, and I, mean, I, again, I love the writing. I love, John Fornoff's taking this, as, if we do treat this as a one-off of this might not be how the Morrisons usually act, but here's a lesson that's being portrayed here. It's great acting. It's great writing. John Fornoff always does a really, really good job with the script, except the sock episode. And I'm hoping we can get him on the podcast to actually talk about these episodes and ask what his philosophy is behind writing for the Morrisons, because I think he does a great job with it. So this is a solid Christmas episode. Like, I... I thought I would have more problems with it. I know I was defending a little town of coloring quite a bit, and you kept bringing up Christmas heirlooms and that Christmas <laughs> heirlooms and the next Christmas special after this one. I probably listened to the least, but I think listening to it with new eyes or ears, I think this episode has gotten better with time. I don't listen to it as much, probably because it's probably more one of the more darker ones. And when I'm listening to a Christmas story, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want it to be real depressing as much, but it works. It's not too much. I think it makes a good point. And, you know, it makes us care even more about this fictional family. And I think it brings message across without being real cheesy. Some may disagree with me on that. But I think they could have gone a little bit too far, but I think it's earned. I think I think the ending we get is earned. Yep. Yeah. Let's go to the reps. Well, this was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be having Jack and Austin's worlds collide. Thank you, guys. You you played along really, really well. Yay. Wait, how did you think this was going to go? I thought it was going to be you're in the corner saying, yeah, Gilead's interesting, and Austin's going, man, this episode and this and that and, sp- and spouting off things here and there, but you know, I think you guys played off of each other really well. Yeah, yeah, this was fun, honestly. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, Austin. Just here, chopped liver, I guess. <laughs> Ryan, yeah, right, you're yeah, always yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, Gilead's nice. <laughs> You did the intro. <laughs> nice job on that. It's nice reviewing a Christmas episode right near Christmas. Yeah, five days before. How can people get in touch with us, and how can they get in touch with what you guys are doing? So Contact Jack and ask him how to do it. Okay, what you want to do is you want to open your computer. You want to push the power wait, button. Wait, wait. What if my computer was under the tree that burned? Right, okay. So what you're going to want to do you guys is you're going to want to go to your local Best Buy. <laughs> you don't want to get your debit card. Buy yourself a new computer because those things are important. You need those these days. You're going to open it. You're going to open Internet Explorer Edge, whatever you have. If you have a MacBook, I'm so sorry. 
But <laughs> you're gonna open Edge. You're gonna download Google Chrome because it's better. <laughs> We're out of time. Go to anchor.fm slash odysseygeek and our website is returntogilead.com. Uh, uh, next episode is going to be It's the Little Things. I'm Michael. I'm Ryan. And I'm free. And I'm going to say Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll see you all next time as we once again return to Gilead. I'm still on fire. Ah! <laughs>